0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob.
1: And I'm Natasha.
0: In this week's episode, we are going to be reviewing the newest Elizabeth Hargrave game, The Fox Experiment. We are also going to be taking a look at Forest Shuffle. And then in the discussion topic, we are going to be doing basically a 2023 wrap up, I, I would say, is the good term for it. Sounds good. Yeah, we, uh, so obviously, this is the last episode before we, the next episode we release is going to be obviously in the new year. So, we're going to take this episode to kind of just talk about the year, talk about some highs, maybe some lows, just general impressions, how we felt about the year as a whole.
1: So, I'm uh, Max and I are doing the advent calendar. We're almost done with it because we're recording. Wait, wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. Let's back this up a second. Okay. Which advent calendar? Is it this year's? We or did this
1: changed? year's. We did this year's this summer when it came out. Dumb. So we're doing last year's, the big golden book.
0: That's just so weird. Okay, but anyway, continue.
1: Well, we um we got it. We really wanted to do it this summer. Well, Max really wanted to do it this summer, so I was like, fine, we can do it. Um, and he's like, because I was like, well, what are we gonna do this Christmas? He's like, we still have last year's to do. So I got last year's, and we've been working through it now for for the actual holiday season.
0: All right, all right, so how is it
1: i uh I like it. It's really good. I think I liked last year's just a little bit better, or this year's a little bit better, so it' would have been the one we did this spring. Um,
0: you understand why this is going to be confusing for people, right? Santa's
1: Workshop. I think that one was my favorite so far. but I really like them. They're short, they're quick. You know, even if you get stumped, you just you just play one little one little puzzle every day. They're really quite lovely. Um, there is a storyline with all of them. Uh, we haven't really been reading this, this story very much, so I can't really tell you what it was about, um, like we did the first two. But uh, I'm kind of getting burned out on on exit games. I would rather not do any puzzle escape room games for a while. I need a break um, mentally, but but they're still really good like if you're wanting to get into one i recommend the advent calendars because they're so small like they're one little puzzle a day they're they're not as near as big of a puzzle as you would get in like a regular exit game
0: i think the problem that at least from the outside looking in i think the problem is you guys have done so many in such a short period of time yeah like you would scoop up like 5 or 6 and then play all five or six. And then you would wait like two weeks, scoop up another like five or six and play those. So I think if you spread them out a little bit longer, I don't know if you would necessarily get so burnt out on it so quickly. But you guys have done a lot, including the unlocks.
1: Yeah. And the Escape the Room games. Yeah. We've done a lot. And I'm sick of them. We have a really cool one. <laughs> we have now a one. Now you know cool how I one. feel. The, the new um Escape the Room dollhouse that you take the box and you it you build it into an actual dollhouse. So you open up the box and it's got and it's an entire house with like floors and levels. And then it makes a ceiling and in each packet you're getting through a room. So it's literally like you you are shrunk and you're you're in a dollhouse and you've got to get through this dollhouse. It's really really cool and I'm excited to do it. But we have it like set up and ready to go. And we, sometimes we sit down and play. We just get stuck. We can't even get through the first one. We haven't looked at the hints yet. That would They have a hint system. We could get through that, through it this way. But uh, we just haven't been able to, like, power through and get it done because I'm just so burnt out on it. And I'm excited to play this one. I like the Escape the Rooms. They're a little bit easier. And this dollhouse one is cool because we made a dollhouse. And it's got all these pieces that you put in the dollhouse, and little packets that you put. So then when you get in the room, you can open the packet. It's cool. Excited to play it, but I just I don't want to just cheat my way through it. I want to actually play it.
0: Well, it's funny that you're just like they're normally easier, but we haven't got been able to get through the first scenario. (laughs) I know.
1: (laughs) I don't know why they're just so hard for us.
2: But
0: have you seen those like uh, bookend type deals that are like miniature? I'm going to call them a dollhouse, but they're not really. For example, you can do like a wizard's or an alchemy shop. And it's this little bookend that you put together, and you can actually have lights turn on or whatever. And it looks like just a little bit of an alchemist shop. Have you seen these things?
1: Yeah, they're all kinds of like storefronts or like little greenhouses, or rooms basically are what they
0: are. Yeah, yeah, those things are are, look cool. And when you were talking about the old, uh, you know, building a dollhouse, it made me think of those Mm because, like, obviously, I have a lot of books, so having something like that, I think, would be really cool, but.
2: They're, yeah, that was a side neat. tangent.
0: Sorry, guys. Whoops.
1: They they sell them at our local game store, actually, because our game store sells a lot of little crafts and toys as well. Yep. And I bought one for my daughter. It wasn't one that fits into a, a book space. It was just a little house that she built, and it's all made out of paper, and, and it's super, super fine. It takes hours and hours to do it because you cut it up and then glue it, and it comes with all the paper and fabric and like any materials you need, and you just make it out of like this thin w- wood. And decorate it and it's their fun little hobby hobbies to work on
0: yeah the one i saw is almost that like laser cut wood pieces that you kind of just punch out and put together or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah they look cool for sure but how about we get into some games let's talk about the fox experiment huh
1: all right the fox experiment is designed by elizabeth hargrave who designed wingspan and jeff Fraser. the art is by joe shawcross and it's published by pandasaurus games so in this game you are breeding foxes just like they did in Russia. And I think it's currently still going on breeding foxes to make, to see if you can domesticate them. You want, you know, nice fluffy tails. You want floppy ears, more spots and cuter bark and more, you know, overall friendliness is the goal of, of the the game here. So, uh, it, there's a few different phases of the game. The first phase, you are going to, um, select your foxes that you're going to breed and it's done over drafting. So there's a row of, Male foxes and a row of female foxes, and then you're also going to draft turn order, and uh, you get a couple little um, little things that come out of that resources or whatnot, depending on what position you select in the turn order. So you're going to go around drafting three different things. You have to end up drafting a turn order spot, a, a male fox, and a female fox, and you can do it in any order you want. Um, and then once you've got your male fox and your female fox, you are going to breed them by grabbing the dice that come with the fox. Um, however many dice, like a male fox, might come with two pink dice and a brown dice. And then the female fox might come with a purple dice. So you'd roll all four of those dice. And each of the foxes can have like one to three dice. So that's why it's drafting is interesting because obviously the more dice you have, the more traits you'll end up getting. So you want to get those, those boxes with more dice. So you roll the dice together and then whatever you get for dice there's so you roll these uh, shapes and all the dice have either a, a shape on them or a half a shape, or some of them have like two halves, like one on each side. So then you piece all the dices together and you also end up, you get a wild dice that you can put on any one that you roll as well. Same, same rules. It's got a little half things on it and you can use that for anything. Any symbol that you want, and you make you combine these dice together to get full symbols. And then when you've got a few full symbols, you cross them off. You draw a card, and it's either um, a male or a female. You name your little fox whatever you want to name them, and then you cross off all of the traits that you've rolled. And the first ones are going to be dice. That then when they breed, you're, they're going to have those dice available to them. And then every other spot that you cross off is going to be a little disc that you're going to collect. And when you get a couple of the discs, either two, three, or five, depending on what level you're at, you can turn them all in if they're matching and kind of get some upgrades. You can get more friendliness dice. You can then start breeding more foxes. You can have twins or triplets or however many you can get. And then you also have a few different ways of scoring that you can put those discs in there to score at the end of the game with. And then uh, once you've made your next generation of foxes, those are going to go into the... Um, available foxes to draft the next round and they kind of escalate, you know, usually you want to get uh, a lot of different traits. So then those, those boxes that come out can have up to, they can really have up to eight dice on them, which is a lot more than those early foxes. So it kind of escalates. It's got this nice, you know, satisfaction of like each time you're rolling, you're getting more and more. Um, you're competing for the friendliest every round. Whoever has the friendliest fox, which is most traits checked off, you're going to get some points, um, then there's some cards in there that are gonna let you manipulate the dice and 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 whatnot. Uh, and then after five rounds, you count up your points from the ones that you've bred and whoever has the friendliest and then whatever scoring options you've made available to yourself and m- most points wins the game. I think what makes this game, Fun is getting into the theme. So every time you draw and breed a fox, you are going to name it, which is really cute. And then, I don't know, keeping in that theme, like I'm going to take my fox that I've named or somebody else is going to draft your foxes really good. And I think kind of getting into the theme is what really makes it fun.
0: And if you're Natasha, you don't come up with creative names. You basically just name all your foxes after family members. And pets. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's not I'm not. Necessary.
1: I'm not clever. I'm not creative when it comes to coming up with new things, and that's not going to change. When we play, <laughs> every game is named after like, like in Pandemic, is a family or a friend or a place. You know, and the locations we name are all places that we are important to
0: us. That's hilarious. I I have to admit, I wasn't very creative when I was coming up with names either. I was just coming up with some random names. Especially leaning into the whole Russian theme, I started calling dogs like Russian names, like Vladimir and blah blah blah, all these other ones. But
1: yeah, it was Nikolai. fun. It was a fun little part of the game.
0: It's it's definitely interesting, but the thing is, sometimes with that, people get people get weird about having to put names on things because they aren't creative. If that makes sense, like for example, uh, welcome to, you need to name your town. Well, it's always Bobville or Coolsville or super awesome town. It's just, it, you know, <laughs> there's nothing creative about it, that sort of thing. So I think that, that can be, you know, whatever. Uh, this game is, it's interesting for me. Cause it, 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 it has a lot of the things that I would really look for in a game. It has drafting, has rolling a bunch of chunky dice and, you, you know, manipulating those dice in some way or being able to come up with stuff. And, but at the end of the day, Strategically, for me, I think it fell slightly flat. And that is because realistically, you just want to get as many dice as you can. That's like the goal. You can unlock a bunch of cool, like powers and stuff by, you know, getting these discs, which I think is interesting. But the other thing is that I didn't necessarily feel a ton of tension for those spots. I was like, well, I'm going to get to them. And at the end of the game, I had most of the spots filled i think there was like two spots that i didn't have a chance to fill and mostly it was because my strategy in the game was to scoop up as much dice as i could if i was going to breed a fox that i thought was going to get a lot then i would automatically try to be the first player and just not get a benefit so i can get as many dice as i can because one of the other ways you score points is you're going to score points by getting a certain number of boxes filled in based on the different die colors and you're going to start off with one card But over the course of the game, you're going to acquire new ones by unlocking those things on your player board. So what I ended up doing is I was just finding spots that I was finding those cards that were different than my current card. So regardless of whatever I would grab, as far as a fox was concerned, I was going to be able to try. I was I should be able to fulfill something because one fox can only fulfill one spot. So if I have multiple cards, then at that point, like I literally just want as many dice as I can. So in that regard, it fell flat for me, the strategy of it. I will take this moment to say, Elizabeth Hargrave, with all her games that come out, she does something special with them. And it, she really takes the time and consideration to think about the theme that she is making a game on and makes it very accurate to, the, to that thing. You know, like Mariposa's is a prime example. You know, I think the game that game was good. It wasn't necessarily a game for me, but just the migration pattern of the butterflies, wingspan the same sort of thing, like going in specific areas, zones on on your board, that sort of thing. same thing with Fox Experiment. She does this thing that almost the only other company I can think of that has done it is genius games, and they have taken these scientific themes and really leaned into them. And make them feel like it's an actual thing you're doing. With this game, it made me think of Genotype and the Punnett Squares. Except this was that, this was a little bit different with the breeding and getting the dice and, you know, trying to cro- get the cross genetics going and different things. So she does an excellent job with that stuff.
1: Yeah, I think this is definitely like a mid weight game. It's got the feel like it's got a lot of pieces. It feels a little bit heavier and more complicated. But at the end of the day, it's. It's a fairly light, um, game that has heavily focused on the theme. And and you're right. Like, the, I think the key to winning this game is just to get as my, much dice as you can, even if it's not the color you want. You at least want to get like a lot of discs so that you can, you know, work up that track. And that's a big yep. part of the. You know, I think the tension will come in like learning like how important the turn order is, and and whatnot. But overall, I would still consider it a a, definitely a mid-weight game, a little on the heavier side, just because there's a lot of components and a lot of like setup and whatnot. But but overall, I think this would be a great game at Target, like for those that are casual gamers and are willing to learn a little bit what looks like a little bit more complicated game. But really isn't it kind of is in the same way to wingspan. Right. Although it's a little bit more intuitive to play. just because sometimes like playing a bird can be confusing that you don't act activate all the birds. So it's a, it's a little bit simpler. It's it's pretty intuitive. It's it's not terribly difficult, but it's but it's fun and the the theme is really what makes it fun more than like the strategy and, you know, there's no tension. There's 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 some strategy in the game, but it's not, you know, filled with tension.
0: Yeah, I think that's what it might lack is a little bit of that tension. I don't think this is a overly quote-unquote heavy game component wise there's a lot of components Mm -hmm. um but as far as complexity uh, right now in board game geek it's rated 2.43 and i think that might be a smidge high for what i think the game is the thing is like i i feel like i'm putting this game down right now but i'm not like i think there's going to be a lot of people who will really enjoy this game I think the theme is fantastic. I think the drafting is is pretty cool. I don't think it's as interesting as, you know, drafting can be. And part of that is just based on what you're drafting. Let's say there's three players. I draft a male fox. Natasha drafts a male fox. Liz doesn't have to draft a male fox. Those are just always going to be available. So it's advantageous for her to get something else. Maybe it is one of the female foxes or maybe it's a turn order piece because When you go get a turnover piece, you're going to get some sort of benefit typically. I like that.
1: I like that type of drafting because even if you're last, you're not going to get last in all three categories. Like you're like, okay, I'm not going to get the best male, but I can at least get the best female or the best turnover spot. I like that type of drafting.
0: Yeah, it just, it, it, the thing about drafting is please don't take that thing I want. And this doesn't necessarily have that as much as I would like, but it's still good. It's still fun. You know, one of the things that I probably like the best is at the very last round that of the game we recently played, I had so many dice. It was ridiculous. Like, I I had just a, a, two handfuls of dice that I was rolling, which felt really good. I love that. But that, again, and then you take it and then you're kind of like, okay, how do I want to arrange these dice? Because I have a bunch of wild dice that I can add to stuff. So it's cool to think about the process of where where am I going to put my wild dice? Where am I going to put my wild chits in order to create these uh, symbols? You know, how am I going to manipulate these things to get ultimately the type of fox that I want? But I also am thinking about what kind of tokens do I need? In the very beginning, there's slightly less decisions than when you get to round five. And you talked about, like, this nice buildup. It has a really good buildup where you have a couple foxes, you're rolling, like, four or five dice, like, whatever. Then the very last round, you're rolling 12 dice. And it just feels good to have this ramp up. I wish the game would have maybe one extra round. I felt like it ended just a smidge earlier than I wanted.
1: Yeah, it, i was gonna say that's a selling point for me it, it's an it's quick it, it doesn't go on for very long it's five rounds and then it's done yep. to me I, I like that it was a quick game i think if you're going to this game expecting like a heavier style of game you might be disappointed so i think that that um you know that matters it it is a it is definitely a midweight game it is not heavy strategy but but it's uh i think it plays the theme really well.
0: I agree. Yeah. I think the theme of this is going to go a long way. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I think the theme is fantastic. And I think the way you're using those dice between the two animals is a very easy way to show breeding two animals together to try to get certain traits. You know, I think, I think the dice do a good job of showing how that can be a thing.
1: And it's kind of fun because when you make um, two or three babies, you take, you, so you, you roll the dice, you make your first baby, you mark everything off. Um, and then you pick up your dice and you roll them again. So now you have, cause you're you having like all the exact same traits, right? So you re, you re roll all the dice and now you've got a new baby. So this baby could have like, very, it's gonna have similar traits because it's got similar dice it's being used. But you can use those wilds and like the way you you know you might go heavy and 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 barks and lo- a lot less in spots. And then at the end of that, when you're done making all of your new pups, you get to take tokens and whatever highest is highest of the level of all all of them. So you kind of want to make you want to focus on like one trait, and make this pup really good at this one trait, and this pup really good at this trait, and then you can get the maximum amount of tokens out of the deal. So I think that's kind of fun too. And it's thematic. It makes sense.
0: Yeah, and you shuffle up your pups so you don't know if it's going to be male or female until you draw it, which makes mm-hmm. sense. Thematically, it all works. So, yeah.
1: So, in the advanced rules, you cannot breed pups that are um, from the same family. So, if I breed these two pups and then I make one of my pups, so my my I'm purple player, so you can tell all my pups are purple, I cannot t- breed both of my purple pups Second generation pups together to make a new pup because that would be you know they'd be siblings.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. That I mean that makes sense. You don't you don't necessarily want to do that. Yeah. So you would want to do it from different roles, families. It's a little yeah. more
1: complicated.
0: But. Truth be told, I don't think that ever came up.
1: No, because for we, me, you'd make good pups, and then I would draft them and go good with my other. You know.
0: Yeah. What I was yeah. going for. Well, you know, we had old shoe and new shoe, which was the name of two pups that were made they were really good so i drafted them Mm and somebody scooped up you know Nikolai goldsmith so yeah it's uh yeah it that isn't funny enough that's an advanced rule but i don't know if it's necessarily come up in the games that i've played at least i can't think of it being a thing maybe not i will say it is fast it is a quick game and i like i said i think i'm gonna go right now and say My feelings on this game—I'm probably going to be in the minority. I think there's going to be a lot of people who really love this game and really love how quick it is, how you know, somewhat intuitive it is, and just over the overall experience. I think people are really going to like this game. This is one of those games I think I would recommend to people, even though I'm gonna—I guess we can go into ratings at this point. Yeah. So I think I'm coming. Ah, man, I'm between like a six and a half and a seven. Wow. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go seven. I think I'm gonna come in as seven because I did. I do enjoy it. I I had fun. It lacked tension, and if somebody was just like, "Hey, do you want to play this?" I probably would. I would play it again. I have no qualms about playing it. Is it a game that I think I should own? No. It's a game that I'll play happily. Play you know once or twice a year. But if I'm coming to a game night and I have a couple different options. I don't know if this one's going to sit that high for me.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think you I think a lot of gamers are going to fall in in your category, especially those that like the heavier games. I yeah. think this game is going to be really popular because I think it's going to really be for um a lot of casual players. It's a great game to play with people that don't play a lot of games. It's got a lot yep. of strategy compared to a lot of other games. It's it's fun. It it's beautiful and the components are nice. I'm coming in at an eight because I like the theme so much and I like how fun it is to play and how beautiful it is to look at. And I just think it's just a lot of fun. It's nice and quick. Uh, for me, I really enjoy the game, but I totally get what you're saying. It does lack tension. It's, It's not super stressful. It's not painful. It's not like you're not making any kind of mistakes or screwing things up. It's pretty straightforward. I think this game belongs on the shelf of Target to serve people that, you know, like to play games with their family. You know, they're not, they don't necessarily, maybe they're not super into board games. They own like 10 games. Wingspan's one of them. This would be, a, this is going to be super popular among that crowd and also yeah. among gamers because gamers like to have lighter games to play too, especially with their friends and families that just play casually. I think this has got broad appeal. And I think that most people are going to find this game very enjoyable and, and not offensive to play at all. Like even you, you're like, yeah, I'll play that. If your friends wanted to play it, you'd happily teach them to play this game and yep. enjoy yourself. You know, it might not be your favorite, but I think overall it's a very good package. And I, I would yes. recommend this to just about anybody. It says 10 plus. I think that's pretty accurate. I would say it's a good family A good, crunchy family game. You know, if you've got kids that play a lot of games, they're not going to have any problem learning this. You know, definitely older kids. But I think it's going to be really popular.
0: I agree. I think it's going to be super popular, too. I think there's going to be a lot of people who really love this game. We even have friends who game that don't like heavy games. They just simply do not. If they hear a game is heavy, they say, I'm out. I'm not going to play it. I think this is the type of weight that's going to really... I think it's really going to sing in that type of group, right? I think people are going to love this game in that group. Um, I do have a question. Do you think this is a welcoming game? Do you think you could play it with brand new gamers? I think it's right there. I think you could.
1: Yeah. Depending, I wouldn't play it necessarily with kids that haven't played a lot of games.
2: Sure. Yeah. You know,
1: if your kid has played a lot of games, I think they'd have no problem learning this. And if you are if you have played a few games, you know, like you've played Catan and you've played, you know, like Wingspan. I think, yeah, I'd totally teach you how to play this in and think you would have no problem learning it. Because I think that it the theme works so well. It's pretty basic. You know, once you play around, I think you've got it. I think overall it's just pretty intuitive. I agree. So I definitely recommend Fox Experiment. Um, just know that it's not super heavy. It's, you know, it, but it's, it's got some meat to it. It's, I would say it's a meatier midway game that I think is going to be fun for a lot of people. And I highly recommend it. That is the Fox Experiment. All right. So next up, I want to talk about Forest Shuffle. Forest Shuffle is designed by Kosh. The art is by Tony Labette and it's published by Lookout Games. It's a small little card game. It's just cards. You. On your turn, you're going to either um, take two cards off the, the forest clearing that's available, or you can draw two off the top of the deck, or a combination of either, or you're going to play a card. If you play a card, there's a cost. The cost is always uh, a number of cards. It could be like zero to three cards. Then you discard the cards out of your hand and play the card. You always start by playing a tree card. Uh, and then going forward, you'll also have cards that are, they're like uh, half the card. They take up half the card. So they're either you slide them below the tree or above the tree, or you slide them, slide them to the right of the tree or to the left of the tree. So then you see half of the card sticking out and each tree can have up to four cards. It can have something underneath it above it and to each side. And there are rules throughout the game that let you break these rules. And then the trees that you plant are going to have worth, be worth points and each of the cards on that you play around the tree is going to be worth points. And a lot of them are worth points based on other things. So this this tree might be a set collection. If you get this number of trees, it goes up and up in points. If you get the same tree, if you get this tree might want all different trees, this tree is, might just be worth one point. This tree could be worth five points, but you have to have at least four and various things. And the, the animals that go on the sides, um, there's like, yeah, animals usually like, uh, mammals, I guess, or like deer and bats and, and mice and, pigs and bears and badgers that go on the sides. And then there's like little bugs or um, plants or fungus that go underneath the tree. It's all very thematic. And then the ones that go above are all butterflies or birds. And a lot of those play off of each other. Like a bird might score points for um, any bugs you've played. And butterflies are a set collection. You might have uh, bats that score points if there's other different types of bats. And then this other dormouse that scores point, if there's a bat on the tree. So it's really just taking the cards that you have in your hand and finding that combo that's going to, that's going to pay off. You know, you've got maybe some hairs that give you points for all the hairs you have. And you've got a fox that'll give you a point for all the hairs. The hairs are cool because you can put them all on one tree, you know, that kind of breaks the rule. So it's really just, you know, you either play a card or you take two cards. And at the end... You're going to end up with like a ton of points. Everything's worth like a lot of points. And whoever has the most points at the very end wins the game. It, it ends because there are three, four, the winter's coming cards. And when you draw the third one, the game immediately ends. So it's got some tension with when is the game going to end? You take those, the deck of cards and you divide it into three piles and you put the, one of the winter's coming on top of the pot. Pi- you shuffle up two of the cards into the bottom third pile. And then you put the, Winter's coming card on the very top of that pile. So once you get to the third, two-thirds of the way into the cards, you're going to start getting those cards. Third one that comes out ends the game, and and that's it. You count up all your points that you've gotten, and whoever has the most points wins. I think what makes this game fun is that everything gives you a ton of points, and you're like, oh, I'm going to get so many points off of this. Oh, I'm going to get so many points off of this, and it's just like combining cards and make points, and it's a quick, kind of meaty. Big game and with just cards,
0: I think you can get a lot of AP in this game if you really wanted to. And part yes. of that is because like every card is going to score and it's going to have a unique way of scoring. So what do you go for? There are trees that say if you have every a number of these trees in your tableau, you're going to gain points. It's an escalation, so you're trying to set collect. If you get ten of them, you're going to score this amount of points. There are you know ladybugs that say. For every ladybug that you have that's a different color, you're gonna score points or whatever. So there's there's a ton of cool things, and I think this game is I think this game really offers a lot of cool decisions because not only are you deciding what cards to play so you can score points, what types of objectives you're trying to achieve to to score those points by playing those cards, but then you have to pay for them. So you might have cards in your hand that you really want to keep, but you have to play a card then you're going to have to take those cards and put them in the display for people to potentially get.
1: Yeah, you have to be careful. You can't just draft yeah. cards. You can't just discard cards you don't want cuz then that somebody'll pick those cards up.
0: Well, then you see that one player is trying to get all those trees. So then you have those trees in your hand and you're like, "Well, what am I going to do with these? I don't want to discard them." Cuz yeah. then he'll just scoop them up and then mm-hmm. score more points.
1: But if the clearing gets to 10 cards, it'll all be scooped away and then nobody can get them. So if it's the tenth card you're playing, now's a good time to play that card. So there's there's a lot to this 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 game. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a cool card game that offers a lot of interesting decisions. Yeah, yeah, I really like it.
1: It's a it's a meaty little game. Like it's small, it's meaty, it can be a little bit longer. The first time I played it, I was like, this is a little long for what it was. But then the second time it was much quicker. That winter is coming card came a lot faster. So I think it's got a lot of tension. You want to get this, you know, see if you can get all the cards you want. You got to pay attention to what other people are doing. You can't just work on yourself. Like you have to be mindful of what other people are doing. Um, you can't give them cards. They want, yeah. you don't want, but you don't want to keep them because they clog up your hand. You you can only have 10 cards in your hand and you cannot physically take more. It's not like end of the game. You can decide which ones to, or end of the round. You can decide which ones to get rid of. Like if you have nine cards, you can draw one, not two, you know? So yep. it's, it's, it's it's interesting, and I think there's just a lot going on in, in what is just a deck of cards.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a cool, unique game. I, I really like the idea that you can draft cards for either the top side or the bottom side or the left or right, depending on how you want to place them in your tableau. I love the, the multifunctional cards having a variety of things you can use. It gives you options, but it does lead to AP. There was moments where I was like, what should I do? I don't know. I don't want to discard these cards because then Chris is going to scoop them up. We're, the display is only at five, so it's not like I can put them out there and then wipe the display. So now mm-hmm. I need to hold on to them. So now they're just holding precious time and you know spots in my hand. But I also think you can approach this game and just play. You don't mm-hmm. have to think so in-depth about it. So I think this is one of those games that bridges the gap between you can just play it and score points or you can really analyze it. It depends on what you want out of the game.
1: Yeah, it's a little... It- it's simple, but it does feel overwhelming if you're trying to play well. So but if you just play casually and you could play you could easily pick play casually with your kids too, because it's not terribly complicated. there's a little learning curve with what the iconography means, but once you get it, you get it. It's pretty straightforward. You know, so yeah, it's just how you wanna play it. It's it's quite a delightful little little game.
0: Yeah, I agree. What are you gonna rate it?
1: I'm coming in at eight. I enjoyed it quite a bit.
0: I am right there with you. I'm coming in at an eight as well. I surprisingly enjoyed this more than I thought I was originally when I looked at it. I thought it was like, "Oh, just a pretty little card game," but no. There's there's some interesting choices, some really interesting choices, and I always like that in games. Plus, you decide what how you're going to score, and I yeah. always, and I like that as well.
1: I think it's satisfying too because everything scores like I mean, some things do just score one point, but like some things score like twenty points. You know, so it can feel really good. You're like, oh, I got a ton of different of these bat-dormouse combos. God, that's like 45 points right there. You know, so it, it feels really good. It's not like you're just getting like one point here, one point there, like three points here. Like you're getting like a ton of points. Um, And if you play with people that are good, apparently if you play online with people that are good, they score like hundreds and hundreds of points. And you're like, oh, I got 98 points. I did really good. And you lost by a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's again, it's that game, right? If you if you can create find these combos to score a ton of points, then you have to you know you have to exploit that combo. So this and this game does that.
1: Yeah. All right. I recommend Forest Shuffle if you are looking for a meaty little card game. It's a good forty five minutes, so it's not super short. You know, and I think it takes it takes about that time. Um, I think it's one that. You know, as you learn it too, it'll be quicker and quicker. You're not reading the cards what they say. But overall, I recommend this game. I, I, it says 10 plus. I think that's pretty accurate. I think you'd have no problem playing it with older kids. Um, you know, it's a good family game across generations. It's not terribly heavy, um, but it's it's got some meat to it. So I recommend it. That is four shuffle.
0: All right, that's going to wrap up the games we are discussing this week. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to be talking about 2023. all right welcome back in this week's discussion topic we're talking about 2023 it is the end of the year if you're listening to this episode the day it comes out it's the day after christmas the next episode is gonna be the first of the year and i just wanted to take this time natasha and i wanted to take this time to kind of just talk about our 2023 and just kind of talk about some highlights and see some of the things that you know we enjoyed
1: man i had a really good year this year i have a lot of things related to board games that went well this year
0: you were it it was funny is when i was thinking about this my thought was this was the year of conventions for natasha 100%. she went to like every every convention possible that ever that's not true not everyone. but
1: i did go to more than i have in the past and i highly yes. recommend it i loved it i'm trying to do the same thing this year
0: so there there's that so let's let me start since i feel like you're gonna have a lot more than me Okay. Um. First and foremost, I need to talk about, in January, we did the Dice Tower Cruise. This was one of those things that I think, it was almost like a like a board game bucket list thing for me, doing the Dice Tower Cruise, and it was a lot of fun. The cruise part was the part that I don't necessarily think I enjoyed, but overall, the actual gaming and all the different stuff that we did, we were lucky enough it was you, me, our friend Marty, and then our friend Phil and his wife Christy. So we had a we had a nice little group. Mm-hmm. And then we got to just interact and meet a ton of cool people. And you know, we have very good friends now specifically from the Dice Tower cruise and we've been friends, you know, that friendship has just blossomed over the course of this year more so for you cuz you attend all the conventions with them as opposed to me but
1: <laughs> that that's what's so cool about these cons that I've gone to like I go to these conventions you meet people and then you go to the same convention you see them later in the year and so you've got this like friendship that grows over time it's so it's so cool i love it yeah. and and going on the cruise was just so great because everybody there was there for the same thing so you instantly yep. had something in common with everyone there or not everyone on the cruise, but, like, people we ate with and hung out with. And so it was so easy to talk to people because we all have that one shared experience, that shared um, hobby, you know?
0: Yep. We got to interact with a bunch of Dice Tower uh, people. We got to play games with them. We were able to play favorite games with some of them, too, which I think is always kind of fun. You know, mm-hmm. playing playing that person's favorite game with them is, is, is always a, is like a treat for me. Because you can just see how excited they are to play that game, you know?
1: One thing I've been doing since then um, is when I watch their top 10 uh, or their favorite games, like top 100 games or top 10 lists or whatever. And there's a game on there that sounds interesting to me. I write it down. So when I do go to any of the conventions and I get a chance to play with them, they're like, what do you want to play? And I go through and I find like one of the games that they really like and recommend yep. and that I haven't played. And then I know they can teach it. And I, I like that a lot.
0: Yeah. And they were just everyone was just cool. Everyone was just so cool on that on that uh, trip. So I think if I'm if I the fun one of the things I was gonna have to mention was the Dice Tower cruise. It was a cool event. I really enjoyed myself. The more I think about it, I think the more I'd like to do one again. But I just the cruise part is the part I wasn't really a fan of. But I think I might want to do one again in the next coming years. Not anytime soon, I don't think. But yeah, Dice Tower cruise definitely up there for me.
1: Yeah, definitely a highlight. Uh, yeah, I was like, I, I like, I love the convention part of it. I love the people part of it. Cruise, I could take or leave it. However, the next cruise is coming up soon, and, it, and I'm super jealous that I'm not going. So I plan on going next year. Nice. I'm going to take Max, and um, I'm excited about that. I think it'll be a lot of fun.
0: All right, so what do you got?
1: Um, I think I'll talk about the other conventions I went to. Uh, might as well right (laughs) i did dice tower east and i did the dice tower retreat that's where i've sealed the three dice tower cons were really really fun because i met the same people there not all the same people but um i just love now having made these connections and going back again this year i'm looking forward to seeing those people again um i love that we all have the same you know not only the hobby but like very specific i think that we have similar tastes in games because we follow the same reviewer. You know, I also did origins yep. and, um, GenCon con Gen con was definitely my least favorite con. And I don't think I'm going to go this year. Um, definitely go to origins again, just because our friends are going and it's easy. It's close by, so we can all drive there. We all go together. It's really easy and convenient to go to. And I end up playing a lot with my friends there as well. Um, but yeah, definitely the highlight of my year was the conventions. And when I look at who I played with the most this year, the number one player is anonymous in my phone because I played with so many new people, which is so cool. I was like, holy cow, I played with a lot of a lot of strangers. And obviously, if I don't regularly play games with somebody, I add them as anonymous. So, um, you know, there's it's just a large number of people that I have played with, which is, I think is really kind of cool.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I still try to like, I try to take down their names, even if it's just like, David, Gen Con. So then, you know, partly because it helps me remember their names. Mm, that's smart. I would say than anything else. I will say this, as far as the conventions, I did, obviously, the Dice Tower Cruise, Origins, and then I did Gen Con. Origins has has become one of those conventions that I really look forward to just because it's so mu- the gaming space is so good. So you get to play a ton of games. That said, man, going back to Gen Con, there's nothing like it. I understand why you don't like it; it's not the type of convention that experience that you want. Mm-hmm. But for me to finally get back there after the COVID years, oh man, just just the sheer amount of like energy that you get at that convention is—it's is, it's like is nothing just else. So awesome. And like, It really is, yeah.
1: Everybody's there, like literally everybody is there. So if you you're a fan of anybody, you can see them there, which is really cool. Yep
0: they're gonna, they're going to be out and about, and I I think it was uh, I think it was right up there being able to get back to the convention that started it for me. Gen Con was the convention that got me into you know really seeing what board games were. So if it wasn't for Gen Con, we I wouldn't be here where I am. Mm-hmm. So being able to get back there was awesome. Truly a highlight for me, even though you didn't particularly care for it.
1: I and en- I enjoyed the experience. I enjoyed hanging out with my friends. I'm glad I have an opinion about Gen Con. If if all my friends were going, I wouldn't probably say no to going again. I just would go with a different mindset, which I did. Um, it's just I like to go. To, yeah, you know, exactly like what you said. I like to go to play games and not necessarily to see all the new hotness. But it was the energy was so high it was a lot of fun it was just um it was still a lot of fun it just i like the other ones better like that's how much i enjoy going to like these smaller conventions where they're really focused on playing games even more yeah
0: some of the smaller ones are cool too because again it gets that more intimate feel we did grand con which is one that's local to us and mm-hmm. it's weird because when you think about grand con it doesn't feel quite like a convention Cause it's in our home city. So for us, we go home at night, we don't get a hotel room. And I think that that kind of just changes the whole feeling of it. Cause mm-hmm. it almost feels like going to your local game store and playing games all day in some aspects. Yeah. But again, it's, it's, it's fun because you get to interact with, you know, the people you interact with quite often, but in a, in a slightly different setting. So I really, yeah, I really enjoyed Grand Con as well. And
1: you so. get to meet more local gamers, you know? Yeah. Which is really kind of neat, people that are nearby. Yep. So I was looking at my games. And I was like, I feel like i played a lot of games this year. I bet I played more than last year. And I looked at my number, and it was a lot smaller. And I think that's really because I've been really bad at, like, tracking my games. I really don't track any of the games I play with Max near as much. Um, but overall... I so I feel like I played a lot more games, but I don't have definitive proof of that. Do you think you've played more games this year than last year?
0: Like just sheer number of plays? Yeah. Or sheer g- or games.
2: Ooh. Based
0: on just looking at my stats, yes. I I have indeed have logged more plays in 23 than I did in 22. Not by much. Currently 9. Oh wow. But um, quite a bit more. It's it's interesting because for me, you know, even though you know having this podcast and us talking about it, one of the things is, at least from my perspective, we almost approach this like we don't play as many games as let's say the Dice Tower does, or you know, a lot of these large, big board game content creation entities. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so for so for me to see me go still going up. I think is awesome, but it also ebbs and flows. Like there are times where all I'm doing is playing games and then there's other months where it seems like sometimes I'm struggling to get games in. But that's just, you know, the ebb and flow of life as it is. But yes, I have I have played more. And I've played about 30 different. So if you if you look at the number of games, not necessarily the plays, but the number of games that you played. I'm about 30 more than I was last year. Wow. So I got 30 newer games played than I did last year.
1: I'm down on all, all metrics here of this year, but I think it's just my lack of tracking. I'll try to be better next year. Yeah, you're not very year. good at that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you're not really good at that, especially if you're not tracking stuff with Max. And the other problem, too, is sometimes that can be a little deceiving because if we have a really good night of playing with the crew, that's like 30 plays. Yeah, it doesn't feel so... like 30
1: <laughs> games. It should be 30 to games either. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I haven't been tracking that one either, so that's probably why my oh, volumes track. are so low. And I, a lot of games with Macs I don't track, and most of them, I don't.
0: Do you? Can you check your H index? Mm-hmm. What that is? So H index for those who don't track games is basically it's. So for example, i my H index is eight. So there are eight games that I've played at least eight times. So if you, for example, if we talked about the ten by ten challenge. If you want to complete a 10 by 10 challenge, your H index would be 10, because you've played 10 games 10 times. What's your H index? It
1: is eight, uh, but my top three are Uno, the crew, and the crew quest for Planet Night, and then the crew mission Deep Sea. So I have quite a few crew games on here that I did track. Yeah. Um, but even if if you took those out, I'd definitely be at seven, because I got quite a few games that I played seven times.
0: Oh, sure, sure.
1: But pretty good. I played a lot of the games, a lot of games, num- numerous times. Um, my biggest game that I played the most, you know, if you take all these small games and legacy games, sure. is Earth and Planet Unknown. I played those um, 15 and 10 times. It's quite a bit.
0: Uh, it's interestingly enough, my, again, without the crew, if we're talking about just straight games, it's Dorf Romantic. We played 23 games of it.
1: Wow, you didn't even like that game. that's kind of
0: sad yeah i- g- I gave it a pretty poor rating. We wanted to unlock all the content, so my wife and i we played it we The thing is too with that game is it's not very long. You can play three or four times pretty quick, mm-hmm. so we wanted to un we just kept playing to unlock content see if we could score better and once know. we unlocked everything, How we can you play a game
1: as- twenty three times and be like, "No, nah, I didn't like it. I think it was totally worth I your don't time.
0: Know. I mean, I got my money out of it. Did you guys <laughs> ever end up playing it? Because I gave again, it to you. No. Did you get guys... no got No,
1: it, got I it. didn't give it back to you because I don't think we'll end up playing it.
0: It the thing is it it was fun to be able to play that with my wife and be able to just have a game we can sit down and constantly play. And it got to the point for us where we just we wanted to unlock everything. It's one of those things that you got down to, you know, a goal. Your goal was to unlock all the content and then play it one more time and that's what we did. And then I did not give it a good review, <laughs> even after 23, 23. That, but the thing is, that game, it's not for, it wasn't for us. But like I said, there's a lot of people who really love that game. So it just fell flat for my wife and I. I do want to talk about one of the coolest things I got this year. We we had an episode of the types of board game accessories that we have that, you know, we we really like. And the ones I kind of mentioned were ones that were ultimately gifts. They people did basically built me the gaming table, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we have a friend, Ben, who we met on the Dice Tower cruise. And he's become one of our one of our very good friends in uh, just over the last year. And at Origins, he's like, hey, are you guys coming to Origins? We're like, yep, we're coming to Origins. And He goes, "Okay, I have a gift for you guys okay what car kind of vehicle are you taking we're like well we're taking a car he's like well you probably won't be able to fit it in there so okay so then i was like well what's this gift he's like you're just gonna have to wait i'm (laughs) like bro don't come at me like that like you can't you can't do that that's like that's like getting a christmas gift and not being able to open until like new year's and then for gen con he was there and I specifically drove, I have an SUV. So I was like, hey, I'm bringing the SUV, Bring this thing. He's like, all right. I'm like, well, what is it? He's like, you're just going to have to wait until we load it. So finally, we we meet up and we get this thing. And I've seen some of these things around. And it's when somebody will take a game, they will set it up in a frame with like some sort of plexiglass over it. And it's essentially a, a art piece that you can put on your wall of a game setup. up in the middle of play.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I've seen these things online. I've always thought they were super cool. But I've just. You have to buy the game. Then you have to do everything. And I'm just too lazy to do all that. He gave us one. Specifically Islebound. Which is one of the games. We ended up playing together at Origins. And it's a game that my wife and I. have Played a decent amount of times. and We really like. So getting that thing was awesome.
1: It's really cool.
0: Best part is Natasha's like, well, you're keeping it, right, Bob? Because like, A, I'm not gonna I don't have room for it, and B like, this is this is your thing. <laughs> I can't get out I cannot have this 2023 wrap up without saying how much I love that thing. I it's in my game room. I haven't mounted it yet, and that's only because it's my game room, I'm kind of transitioning with some stuff, trying to rearrange some things to make it a little bit more user friendly. But I can't wait to get that thing on the wall. I love it.
1: It's super cool and it's gonna look awesome in your gamer. We've got it displayed like he's got it like you know leaned up against the wall so everyone can see it at least.
0: Yes, yeah, it's not yeah, it's it's you can see it. It's kind of there, but it's not hung up yet because I'm trying to figure out where I'm gonna put it. So.
1: I think it's been a great year for gaming, too. A lot of new games came out. Every year, a lot of new games come out. A lot of really good games. I was like, Bob, we haven't played any games from this year. How are we going to do a top 10? So I started making my top 10 list. And nope, I've sure enough, I've got plenty to put on my top 10. No problem at all. I thought I haven't even touched half these games. But I, truly, I haven't touched a fraction of them.
0: It's interesting because I agree. We There's so many games that came out. And there's so many games that I still want to play that just get pushed to the back burner for something else. And there's still quite a few games that I really want to get to the table, and I really want to be able to play a, a, a handful of times to get a true feel of it. And I'm ashamed to say, like, you know, Great Western Trail New Zealand. I played it once, and I want to play it more before I really give my true opinion about it. Because I think that, game, that game's good. Yeah, and it's you know, really good. But do good. I put it on do I put it on my top ten? I have a difficult time doing that just because I I need more plays to really figure out where it sits for me.
1: Oh Bob, you need to play that. We should play. I know, that.
0: that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. There's so many games. It's hard. If just quit quit our jobs and just play games all the time. That would be fantastic if we could just do that. That'd I think be great. you know,
1: maybe just devote all of our free time to playing games even.
0: Um so yeah, 2023 there was some really cool stuff. The conventions were probably the standout. being able to interact with some of our uh some of our fans emailing us, you know, asking questions about games, just, you know, different things like that. Like it's always cool to get emails from listeners. If for some reason you've always thought about emailing us and you're just like, "Ah, I don't want to bug them, bug us." Yeah, it's, us. Fine. it's it it's it's cool interacting with people. We, we did one more last highlight, at least for me, that I'd like to bring up before we bring this to a close is we had a chance to interview the team behind Galactic Cruise. And it, it's cool to be able to interact with designers, publishers to get a feel or just understand the process that they have making a game. That, for me, I always find interesting. And I'm really happy that they took the time out to come on our podcast and be able to kind of just talk about their process, talk about their game and where it is and how it's come to be. I always find that interesting and it's cool to be able to interact with people in the community like that. So I wanted to include that really enjoyed that this year.
2: All
1: right. Well, thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us again next week where we'll do the top 10 of 2023. Please help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook. And send us any comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone.
0: See you next week.